Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Continuing on into Season 2 of the Big Ideas and Youth Ministry Podcast, where we are working to give you resources, to give you support, to give you inspiration for things to do in your youth ministry, no matter how big or small that ministry is and what setting you find yourself in. I am Cliff Haddix. I'm joined today by Michelle Thomas-Bush. We'll have Maggie Johnson with us also along the way. Michelle, it's great to have you back for another episode. Great to be here and good to be with Maggie today. And we'll introduce her in a minute. But first, we have our top five list of the week. And this is our top five go-to programs for youth. So uh, Cliff and I were thinking about those things that you keep in your back pocket that you can pull out and weave into any theme that you have. The ones that we do year after year or, you know, once every five years uh, over that you just can pull it out of a file. Um, And so our number five to go to programs is a backwards book club. This is um, our young people don't have a lot of time, so they don't get the book ahead of time. You come to youth group and you get a book and we highlight and read stories and passages, and then they get to take that book home and put it on their shelf. And I found that doing a book, a lot of kids love books, and this is a way we can get them into their hands. Um, but they don't have to prepare for it, which kind of takes that edge off of it. And they love highlighting and reading through. So my go-to book is Anne Lamont's uh, Thanks, Help, Wow. Um, You can almost read the whole book in a youth group night by reading the stories and telling and highlighting, and then the kids have it as a reference. Yeah, that takes away some of the anxiety that I always have coming to a book club of like, oh, I didn't read as much as I should have read before I get here. There's no pressure. Removes that. There's no prep. And everybody gets a book. And sometimes the some people will say, well, how do you buy those books? And sometimes I'll get a Sunday school class to buy the books for the kids, or you know, the women of the church, so that there are some avenues you can do that. All right, number four, Cliff. Uh, This is one of my favorites. This has always been a go-to for me, which is life skills life skills that are things that are practical that can be used and and used in a ministry format but also just to support those kids growing up i especially like to do this when i have graduating seniors i will do a cooking night um i am amazed by how many and i don't mean this in a bad way oh. but how many folks have gotten so into a routine of throwing something in a microwave or just right. grabbing something through a drive through that a basic cooking skill isn't there and i have I can't I can't begin to count how many kids out there now know how to make homemade guacamole because I taught them in youth group. Love now, it. I, I, I always I teach how to make fajitas. I teach how to make homemade guacamole and we all eat it together. We all enjoy it. Um, I was very lucky in one of the churches I served. I did have a professionally trained chef who was one of our mm-hmm. assistants. And oh my goodness, he taught them amazing things to make. But then that's stuff that they take with them out into the world. And then they can also go do a uh, serving at a soup kitchen because they're actually able to cook and not just stack dishes. They're able to be in exactly. the trench, so to speak. Also things like changing a tire, um, checking your oil, little things like that. And again, this is no shot on anyone whose parents didn't teach them that thing. This is just making certain they've got more of those things going on. 
And like I've talked about when I've taught changing a tire, what if you saw someone beside the road that needed help? Mm-hmm. Now you're able to help and you're able to help safely and you're able to help in a way that's not just staring and, well, I can maybe make a phone call or I can take a video or you can actually help with the process. So little things like that, um, you know, helping get those little little things that you may not think you would get normally at a youth group, but can actually be a great bonding experience for the kids and have a lot of fun. And especially because it's cooking, because then you get to eat it. Well, and Cliff, that lends itself to a lot of conversation about faith. You know, there's so many times when Jesus ate with people. And so mm-hmm. to have those, these go-to programs can be crafted for your group. And there's so many scriptures and uh, lessons that go along with it that, you know, to, but to have that life skills program in your back pocket, and then you can put the devotion with it mm-hmm. based on where your church is and what's going on. And bake the bread for the next communion for your church. Exactly. I mean, you, you yeah. get a direct Easy. worship connection. Our number three is a grocery store challenge, and this is this is easy for us because we have a grocery store walking distance of the church, so we can actually just walk, but you can have kids meet you at a grocery store, and their parents can go and do their grocery shopping while you do this, but everyone brings $5, and you combine your funds, and you buy for a local food bank, and sometimes we give stories out to the kids so that they know who they're buying for. Sometimes we have a Sunday school class who dumps in a little bit of money or we use some money somewhere else. So they have, you know, $30, but it's a good experience for them to see how much things cost and what it's like for a family to have a limited budget and why we serve, uh, why we do collections the first Sunday of every month. And um, then to look at who might be insecure and look at teachers and, leaders who need that help. And so it it starts to get them thinking systemically mm-hmm. and bigger than just a transactional ministry to our local food bank. Yeah. How much do we pay in our grocery shopping for just convenience exactly. as opposed to what's actually better for us and could like, you know, sustain for a longer period of time. Right. All right. And number, number two, two a morality auction. Get your kids some play money and give a thousand to each person. Then on the board, you take a number of different items, like great hair days forever, be able to cure cancer, write a novel, play well, in a major that. league baseball game, uh, sing back up for your favorite artist, unlimited knowledge, dinner with Jesus, et cetera. And then the bidding goes. And like, what is the type of thing that people would put their most money toward? Uh, mm. Did you dump your whole thousand so that you could meet your favorite star? Or do you want to help feed the world? <laughs> and there's and there's no judgment. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. I love that uh, idea. And I think, what if you had a auctioneer in your community who mm. could come and do it? It'd be so fun to pull in some of the gifts of some other people. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, this could, this could go a lot of different ways. It could open up into a discussion about uh, about uh, do unto others and Ten Commandments, exactly. uh, the, the the Good Samaritan. All of these things could could be a kickoff to take into a, a, a great discussion. Hmm. The, the number one uh, go-to program is a broken pottery crosses um, or bowls made out of broken bowls. So there's three ways to do this. One that I do with my confirmation class every year is we talk about things that are broken in our lives and we have young people tell stories, older youth, and they throw the plate down when they share about the brokenness. And then everybody gets those pieces and puts it on a small wooden cross with some you know, mortar in between. And that's an easy one to do, looking at resurrection, that God takes these broken pieces and makes it new. 
There's another way to do it where you take just the tiniest clay pot and put it in a paper bag and they don't know what's in it. And you ask them to smash it when you talk about things that are broken and then they can take it and put it back together or create a piece of art with it. Um, you know, they're always the kids who want to put it exactly back together, mm -hmm. but then they're the kids who then pulverize it and use the sand to make some sand art. And, you know, there's no rules to it. Um, you just need a lot of glue on that one. And the third one I just saw a couple weekends ago was a class where they actually took like three or $4 bowls that were beautiful and they had them drop them when they talked about something that was broken in their life. And then they, that's only like two or three pieces, but you glue it back together and, and paint the gold and use the Japanese uh, story about how, you know, something broken can be beautiful again. And I think that's a beautiful lesson on resurrection. Hmm. So that's our top five list to, of the week, go-to programs. And so now let's uh, have some conversation with Maggie. Yes, Maggie Johnson, a third-year seminary student and the director of youth ministry at Shallowford Presbyterian Church, who's joining us this week. And I just forgot our topic. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm glad to be here. We're talking about small group ministry. So small group um, ministry. I just had a complete, a complete <laughs> brain fry there for just a second. I do apologize. That's okay. Teamwork makes the dream work. There right? we go. There he goes. Oh, so small Maggie, groups uh, small groups sometimes can be intimidating for some people in youth ministry, and they wonder, should I be doing small groups? Do I do it in addition to youth group? You know, how does that fit in your program, and why do you think small groups are important? Yeah, I love this. Okay. So small group ministry, I think this like name of it, as you say, can be very intimidating, but what I love to name it as is something that's a different who, what, and where than your normal programming. Oh, so sorry, my dog. <laughs> sorry if you can hear her. Um, but so all this means is that what you're doing is going to be a little bit different than your programming and where you're doing it is also going to be different. And then your who is there is also probably going to be different. So this doesn't mean that the nuts and bolts of small group ministry are going to look the same for everybody. And that's the main thing I want to take away um, is that whether you have a large youth group or a small youth group, whether you are have paid staff or volunteer, this all looks different. So let's start with the who. The who looks different in the sense that I believe when a small group ministry is working well, the normal person is not the one leading it. Mm, I think this okay. is a good and important way to involve your church congregation. So let's look at Shallowford's um, youth group. For example, we have small group leaders that are young adults, that are parents with young children that would otherwise not be involved in youth ministry, but they are leading these small groups. So on small group ministry nights, I get everything going and then I leave. I still hang out at the church in case anybody needs me, um, but I'm not the one leading it. And I think that that so Maggie, is important. If we're yeah. uh, talking about your small group ministry, is that like a Wednesday night? Yeah. Yeah. So it is Sunday nights. So okay, we great. fold it into our normal time frame um, mm. because we know that youth are getting busier and busier and people are getting busier and busier. Um, so we know we're going to probably only get them once a week is realistic. So. Are you doing that once a month? Or are you doing that as part of youth group on yeah. Sunday night is what I'm hearing. So we do it once a month, fold it okay, into great. our normal um, fellowship schedule. So we alternate between youth fellowship about three times a month and small group night once a month. Yeah. So they meet monthly and are they meeting in homes or at the church or does it matter? 
Yeah, so this is where the where comes in. And this is also super important. We do not have small groups meet at the church. They meet in members' homes mm. that are less than two miles from the church. So they're still very easy to get to as long as you're like coming in the direction of the church. Um, and they are members' homes that are also not connected to youth ministry currently. So they might be youth alum parents, um, or we have a lot of older adults that they don't even have to leave their home. So it's a good accessibility um, for them to be plugged into the church life. Um, And it's a very intergenerational thing, right? Where it's like you have these older adults cooking meals for 10 to 15 high school boys that are coming um, to your home and you get to provide hospitality to them. Um, And these youth get to experience hospitality beyond the church walls, which I think is really important. Well, and then you have these leaders who could go to their sports games and connect with them because you're only asking them to volunteer like eight nights a year almost? Maximum. Yes. So exactly. Again, it is like this. It's a specific ask, which we know works really well for volunteer retention. Um, And it also says, like, I will give you the tools and then you get to run with it. We trust you to love these youth and to guide them in the way that they need. So the what is also different than a youth fellowship night um, in my context, in the sense that I provide a curriculum with a devotional and some Mm -hmm. games and some things like that. But I also say, if that isn't what your group needs, go, do, be. Um, our, particularly our high school groups, they're asking hard questions. Um, and so I say, if there is something on the hearts of your youth and they need to talk about it for 45 minutes, great. That is holy and good. And you did small group ministry. Um, that's what another thing that I love so deeply about this type of ministry is it's not supposed to look the same, even between the small groups. Um, And that's how we deal with the mental health of our young people too, is we give them space and people to talk to about their feelings and thoughts and behaviors. And that's such a great gift that we don't, you wouldn't call it your mental health programming, but it really is. It is a lot of it. Yes. And it is helpful for me. So after small group ministry nights, I send out like a Google form to my small group leaders. And I say, what do I need to know that happened? I don't need to know everything. So like whatever you think needs to stay between you and your group. Beautiful. I trust you with that. If somebody's having surgery, you know that. Yes, exactly. Um, So it's a really good way to get that pastoral care that I just can't do all on my own, right? So it's good enough. I'm hearing you talking about all the ways that it kind of organically, each group kind of finds its own way. Yeah. When you're initially setting it all up, Mm -hmm. how do you get a structure that, you know, for, for, for a church member who's going to be hosting at their house, who this is all new, this is all alien. How do you get them a core structure to at least start from? Well, Cliff, before Maggie speaks, I want to say, you know, Cliff is at a smaller church. I'm at a bigger church. And so this really could be your youth group. Yeah. Yes. It could be that once a month you have your, for your youth group, for a small church. And Uh it also doesn't have to be at the home of the person leading. It could be a parent Mm -hmm. who provides and then escapes to the next room. Absolutely. Yes. And that's, again, this is a, not a one size fits all ministry. This is a, everything can be switched and pivoted based on what you need. Um, So I think it starts with training um, and getting hosts, as I like to call them into a room and say, this is what we're asking you for. And this is what we're not asking you for. We are Mm -hmm. asking you for a meal and a space to host and for you to greet these people and check in with them and then 
that's it. In a, in a good world, like you don't even know that they're there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it being very explicit in what you're asking is what has helped us be able to retain this. Um, some of our hosts are very involved and want to sit there with the youth and engage with them as a small group leader would. Our leaders and hosts are different. Mm. And some we've even had, hey, I'm not in town this night, but I'm happy to give my key to the small group leader oh, to come great. into the house um, so that you still have space. So again, it is a good way. Right. It's consistency. And then it's also like, we don't need one particular type of host. So how can we make it possible for this to happen for you? Small group nights, I schedule based on our hosts and leaders' schedules. So I send out a Google form, like, what dates are you available to host? Mm. Um, So that it's fitting their lives, and we can adapt based on that. Um, And so in that way, it's also easier to get a yes. The training for it, I have phone calls with all of our hosts beforehand just to make sure they feel equipped. Um, And for our leaders, I get us all in the same place to really define the why of small group ministry. Why are we doing this? Why are we asking to meet once a month? Um, And what is what are the fruits that we're looking for to come from this? Um, And for me, those fruits may look different than the leaders themselves. But for me, it means giving these youth trusted adults beyond just me. Um, They see me. They know me. I'm paid by the church, which is great. And they trust me. And. The church is not just me. Youth ministry is not just me in its healthiest Mm -hmm. form. It should be adults that they can go to on a Sunday morning um, that they see in the narthex before worship. I can't tell you how much it means to me when I see my youth walk up to their small group leaders and say, guess what? The thing I was really nervous about that I was sharing about, it actually went okay. Thank you for praying for me about it. And they didn't even tell me about it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's good that they didn't tell me about it. Yeah. All right, Meg, I have a question. Um, If this is on a Sunday night, do you assign all youth to a small group? Do they sign up for that? If they're not signed up, is that just a night off from youth group? Talk about that. We assign everybody to a small group. Um, And this is one of those growing edges that I would love for us to have a conversation about because there's no great way to divide people into a small group, right? Like we don't love division in the church and we also don't love operating on binaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately that's one of the ways that it has to be sometimes in order to put groups. So we do have them divided between boys and girls um, and by grades. And so that's something that works most of the time, but is not perfect. Um, And I acknowledge that, but we do assign everybody to a group And the small group leaders reach out to every single person in that group. And we actually have youth that show up for small group nights and no other nights because they appreciate this type of size and intimacy Mm -hmm. in this small group way more than they do the big youth fellowship run around church nights. Well, and that's what you mentioned originally is that it could be for people who don't come to anything else. And we do our class dinners the first of every month Mm -hmm. and we have different leaders for them. And they start in fifth grade and they stay till graduation. So in essence, it is a small group. Yeah. Um, But there are kids who come just to class dinners. Mm -hmm. That's okay. If that's all they come to, we see them once a month. That's more than some people come to church. Right. Exactly. Um, And that's what I really want to lean into with small group ministry is it's your opportunity to offer something different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a good thing. And I think, you know, scripture tells us that some of the earliest churches met in people's homes. So I think it's really holy.
remotely to be able to see church beyond the walls of your of your building. Um, And even within the craziness of if you have a set apart youth space, like how does that conversation change because you're in a different place Mm -hmm. and you're with different Mm -hmm. people? Um, Yeah. And I think it's just created this beautiful opportunity for our youth group. Beautiful. So what are some of those other growing edges? You mentioned the growing edges of dividing. Mm-hmm. Are there other growing edges we face in small group ministry? Yeah, I think um, it requires a lot of volunteers, which is one of the good things. And it can be one of the hard things. So depending on the size of your church and the size of your program, I mean, you're looking at upwards of 10 to 15 volunteers to make a small group ministry in this context mm-hmm. work. Um, and that and is, Maggie, how big is your church? Just so we know, we have an average of about for youth group, we have an average of about 55 youth a night on Sundays. Um, and the church itself is about 600 people, mm-hmm. um, that we see regularly. Um, so it's a large church. Um, I think for smaller churches, the emphasis for small group ministry is the difference in location and the difference in people. Mm -hmm. You might still have your number of people that you have in the church for fellowship nights, um, but you are set apart in a different way to lean into that with other volunteers. And volunteers get busy. We ask a lot of volunteers most of the time in the church, which is a good thing. It's an active faith. And that can also lead to burnout. So one of the things that I want to encourage as a growing edge is when you have people not want to do it a second year or Mm -hmm. a third year saying, that's okay, take rest. Take rest this year and then come back the next year if you're ready. Um, So not leaving. We don't do that. We do. Our class mentors are fifth grade through graduation and you you leave when you move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. But if there is a, uh, you know, there's a birth of a baby, you know, you can take a couple months off or we talk with you about how do we help do that so that, you know, you have that consistency over the years, which is a gift. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So when you're thinking about a small church cliff, how could you see this working, Mm -hmm. you know, as Madeline gets to youth group and Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could definitely see this being as an additional element aside of the normal youth group setting, just giving mm-hmm. them that time that's set aside that doesn't have, oh, well, tonight's, you know, tonight is, um, you know, silly game night or tonight is this. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see how this would could could play a part. Um, and which goes to this whole intergenerational thing we've been talking about for a number of weeks about getting folks aside mm-hmm. of the same leaders always involved. Um, I, I, I de- the, the one thing that I think would be harder for me to replicate that 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 you all have is that it would be mostly the same size totally. there as opposed to allowing a bit of a closeness to develop and more mm-hmm. of an intimacy between just a few folks um mm-hmm. because it would still be about the same size as the youth group would be that's the one thing that would be a little harder to replicate um, but it would the, the, be give them a different avenue yes, and different yes, adults. Yes, that that is that is absolutely true, and I can see where that would definitely play a part. And and I think in a smaller church too, that gives your, you know, you you probably are leading the youth group cliff, and so that gives you a night off, mm-hmm. and it trusts some other adults, and it puts some other adults in their life, you know, that may not have thought they could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So something that I think could also work as far as like setting apart 
this time is we do things like queso tours or French fry tours or Mm -hmm. things like that. You may have talked about that on this podcast. And that's also an easier lift for volunteers. If you give them a task of like, you are going to eat queso and ranking this queso at this Mm -hmm. restaurant. Um, And again, that means Cliff, you don't have to be there because adults can buy queso for some kids. Oh, Um, I'm going to go get queso. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay. That's also fair. (laughs) But it also (laughs) gives them something different. Um, in a way that's not offered um, in other yeah. programming. Yeah. So. And sometimes kids will come for queso that they wouldn't come to somebody's house, you know. Right. So back to the point of it's an easier in for a lot of our youth that um, maybe didn't grow up in the church or whose parents didn't grow up in the church mm-hmm. and coming to a sanctuary intimidates them mm-hmm. or coming to the youth center intimidates them walking in by yourself, apparently. But if you walk into someone's home even, or if you walk into a local fast food restaurant that you already enjoy, that seems easier. Yeah. So that's a good way to lean into it too. Well, Maggie, we're, I think I've mentioned clip before we do a senior capstone for our seniors and it gives them just, it's a chance for us to draw in seniors that are kind of fizzled out. Mm -hmm. And we do every month we go to dinner somewhere. So they're going to Maggiano's this month. They have some tasks, very small tasks of habit creation, values, um, you know, building their faith family. Um, But mostly it's getting together for dinner and um, they love, they get to pick, you know, we, we choose Maggiano's and then they get to pick from there. And Mm -hmm. You know, we always go to a Japanese steakhouse one night, you know, so they can have that experience that they had when they were younger. But yeah. that is their small group. And it gives them a break from the stress of life. And they would normally be coming to youth group. So we see kids we haven't seen since confirmation because they want to finish out their year, their high school, doing something significant with their faith. Yeah. I love that ritual creating. And so I think that's also part of what we're speaking to with this is wanting to create rhythms and rituals um, to teach youth how to be in community with one another and saying that doesn't have to look like one way, but it can look like all of these other ways too. So let's find a way that works for you. Beautiful. Cliff, what other questions do we have about small groups? Oh gosh. I'm trying to think. Um, Okay. I've got one. I've got one. Maggie, do you have like a book or something that would be a resource to hand off to somebody for setting this up if they've never done it before? I don't. And I wish there was. I would have energy around writing one. I inherited a lot Mm -hmm. of this system from um, previous youth directors and we've just like fine tuned over time. Um, But I don't have a one size fits all small group ministry book because I think Mm -hmm. as we've spoken to, it's not one size fits all this small group ministry narrative is really seeking for like how to counter the other programming that we offer. Um, so speaking into the PCUSA denomination, I'd have energy around writing one, um, but I have not found one that works as of yet. But do you have some curriculum you could suggest of things that, what are your go-to top curriculums for small group? So we, because they're usually about four in the fall and four in the spring, um, I usually take a story and look at it in all four gospels if it's in Mm. it. So we look at all four lenses and say, what would we lose if we only had Mark 
or what would we Ooh, that's do? beautiful um mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I love whenever I see four I'm like gospel mm-hmm. let's do it mm-hmm. um so something like that or then the PCUSA does have really good curriculum for small group ministry but it's typically structured as a Sunday school class um so some mm-hmm. of that works well and some of it we, we change, but they're crossing boundaries. One is what we're working on right now. Um, it just came out this fall. And what's good about those curriculums is they give you a lot to work with way mm-hmm. more than you could ever more do. Than you need. Even, yeah. And even like three hours. So I just pick and choose um, based on what I think my youth would like. I'm also recognizing that a middle schooler, sixth grader versus a 12th grader needs different things. So I try and create like a middle school curriculum list and then a high school curriculum list yeah. based on mm-hmm. what kind of conversations they'll be having. But that's what I've been doing so far. And otherwise, I'm open to hearing what our networks have have used um, either in Sunday school or beyond. Are there any Thanks. pitfalls to be watching out for? Mm, that's mm. a good question. So, and this goes back to the growing edge of how to divide up small groups. Some people get along really well with folks in their grade and with folks in their gender identity, and some don't. Mm -hmm. Don't know that there's ever a perfect method to that, but just as we have youth that only show up to small group nights, we have youth that don't show up on small Mm -hmm. group nights and come to other nights of of the programming. Right. And we're not meant to offer programming that's going to fit everybody's needs all the time, yet we can strive for it. And so I am aware that um, developmentally, there's not the perfect way to divide it up um, because you're going to have mature 10th graders and mm-hmm. really mature 10th graders. Um, and so I always kind of wrestle with that. And so that's something to be aware of um, when figuring out what works best for your group. So, yeah. That's a great, great point. Well, thank you, Maggie, for this. This is really helpful to think about small group ministry as part of your youth group on Wednesday nights or whenever you do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate your words of wisdom helping us think through it. Thank you. So grateful to be colleagues in ministry with you both. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation.